we're singing songs of praise and worship this morning, and and there are certainly those, and then there are certainly, um, you know, songs that, that, you know, we kind of are more reflective. And this morning we're kind of doing some upbeat, you know, it's Hosanna, it's Palm Sunday, uh, you know, glory to God in the highest, uh, you know, it, Jesus not only came to the world, he, he came to Jerusalem, and, and now we're getting to see this Holy Week. So it's interesting how things uh, change over time. Take technology, for example, um, and let's be more specific. Let's, let's look at the, uh, the wristwatch. It wasn't too long ago, and by that I mean in, in our lifetime, that the wristwatch was good for one thing, right? Maybe two. That was telling time, and, and maybe it showed the date. Remember that? And sometimes you had to wind them. Some of them were self-winding. And here's what's really interesting. It, it only showed the time and the date that you told it was correct, right? And everyone's watch showed a slightly different time because everyone had their own source to set it by. And it wasn't uncommon to hear questions like, what time do you have? Or, or what about that famous line in movies where the heroes were all planning their attack and they say, gentlemen, what do, they, what do you do? Synchronize your watches, right? Over time, it evolved with the creation of digital watches. Now you could include features like a stopwatch and uh, you could also read the time much easier, and you could do it at night. You just push this little button on the side of your screen, and it lit up. And, and, but you still had to tell it what time it was. And you still had to tell it what date it was, and you still had to push this button by yourself to get to work. So jump ahead to today. We have smartwatches, right? Telling time is the least interesting feature. In fact, if you want to tell time, you usually just look at your phone now, right? Not at your watch. But mine, you know, for mine example, well, It'll tell me things like how many steps I've taken and, uh, and how many calories and how many flights of stairs and, and my heart rate and all kinds of stuff. And it even detects exercise and somehow it can tell if I'm on a, an elliptical or if I'm on a stationary bike. It doesn't have to do that very often, but it can. It analyzes my sleep and it gets mad at me once an hour if I haven't gotten up and taken at least 250 steps since the top of the hour. It has all kinds of apps, and it will de deliver texts and emails directly to my wrist. And, and because um, looking at the phone is too hard, you know, I'd, I'd just rather do this than, than that, right? No. But here's the real interesting thing. I, I never have to tell it what time it is. I never have to tell it what the date is. And I don't have to push a button to light the screen. In fact, I just turn my wrist, and it lights up and tells me whatever I need. It's boom. It's magic. And Sherry's fancy. She's got an iWatch. And... Hers can send her messages. She can send messages from it and answer her phone, and, and hers will send an alert if it detects she has fallen so I can come running and record whatever it is that just happened. Um, that's how I know if you're listening. <laughs> and if you think that's fancy, I read an article this week, and this is, this is it says, the next generation of iWatch, this is generation six, will have a pulse oximeter function. You know, that has that little clip they put on you in the doctor's office. Be built into your watch now. You'll do it automatically. And she's only got a series four, so she's about to become two generations out of date. And the point of the message isn't to talk about watches, but I, I found it as an interesting example of how things evolve over time. We didn't go straight from this analog dial to a pulse oximeter overnight. There, were, there was time and gradual changes in design and technology that, that got us to where we are today. And these transitions happen gradually and smoothly. And, and, and in movies and music, they, they call these types of uninterrupted transitions segues, right? And that's a funny-looking word, segue. I, I thought it was S-E-G-W-A-Y. No, that's the little thing that Paul Blart rides around in the, the mall. 
but it's segue, segue. So today is Palm Sunday, a holy day that marks triumphal entrance into Jerusalem. And less than one week later, just five days from today, we honor another holy day, which is Good Friday. Good Friday marks Jesus' betrayal and death by crucifixion. And this morning, we're going to talk about this period of time, this five short days, this imperfect segue, where it jumped from respected teacher of God's word to despised and scorned heathen. So what happened during this course of this period, this short five days? This morning, we're going to take a look at each day and hear the story directly from God's word of what happened. And the story can be found in multiple places in the Gospels. And if you'd like me to send you a chart that shows the story of each day may be found, send a message and I'll forward it. Won't be, it won't be this one. This is a little simpler than what I have. But I have one that will say Monday and here's what happened. And then it will say in Luke and Mark and John where you can find that. Um, and I, I love Paul's letters. Obviously, I speak on them every week. But um, I'm going to be reading from Matthew this week. But Luke... Luke, I really enjoy the way Luke writes. Um, it's, for me, it's an easy read. So um, we're not supposed to have a favorite apostle, but I do like how Luke writes. So, but let's begin. Today's Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. Crowds cheered Jesus' entry in Jerusalem. This is from Matthew 21, 8 through 11. It says, A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And that's the scripture, remember, that Wes read earlier. Palm Sunday. On Monday, Jesus went into the temple, right? He's a Jewish man, a Jewish teacher. And this is Matthew 21, 12 through 17. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And then he says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Now he's quoting scripture. Because remember, Jesus didn't come to change the law. He came to fulfill it. He knows God's word. Okay? And he's using, he's saying, it's written. My house will be called a house of prayer. Not Jesus' house, God's house. Later, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They were furious. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? And here comes scripture. From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out to the city of Bethany where he spent the night. Tuesday, Jesus confronts the the hypocrisy of the Jewish leaders. Matthew 23, 1 through 7, and then a little later, 13 through 79. Jesus is talking to the crowds and to his disciples. He's teaching. He says, the teachers of the law and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, right? They know the law. They are, they are the ones that, uh, the, the religious elite, for lack of a better term. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. Because if they're familiar with the law and we're supposed to follow the law, do what they tell you. But Jesus says this, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. You ever wonder where that came from? Jesus said, they do what they tell you to do, but they don't practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, 
but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. This is how you should live. And yes, it's tough, and we know it's tough to live by these commandments, to love everyone, to do these things. We know it's tough. But they were saying this is what you should do and condemning and judging people for, but they weren't willing to do it themselves. Jesus continues, he says, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries. Now these are these leather pouches that they would carry the, the uh, text, and they, the Jewish law. And the men would carry these things. It's kind of like, you know, if you were hauling around a, a, a bag full of Bibles and your, your concordance, all this stuff. They, they have, Jesus said they have these huge bags of fanny pack. Yes, a, a, an Old Testament fanny pack. Becky, my goodness. I'll be doing the comedy from up here, thank you. Um, but they will be, um, yeah, so they're carrying around all their religious texts. And it says they carry these things that are wide and they have tassels on their garments that are long. They look fantastic. And he says they love to place the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. And they love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace, to be called rabbi by others. Okay? But Jesus is saying do what they say, but don't do as they do. It's not about your tassels. It's not about how you dress religiously. It's not about who's got the biggest Bible and carries it everywhere they go. It's about how you use it, how you apply it even more so. And he goes on and he, he, he gives the seven woes to the leaders of the laws. And I'm not going to go through all these, but he says, Woe to you, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom on people's faces. You do not yourself can't enter. And he says, woe to you, you hypocrites. You travel all over for a single convert, and then you, you make them twice as guilty by telling them that they aren't good enough. Woe to you, you, you swear by the temple, but you don't, and you swear by gold, but you don't. It has no meaning. And he, and he, you know, and he goes through seven of these things, and, and, and if you hear them, they're all loaded with hypocrisy. You, you're preaching what's important, but you don't practice it. And at the end, he says, you snakes. This is Jesus, this gentle, kind, loving teacher. But he had the power of the truth behind him. So he, he would get upset sometimes. He says, you snakes, you, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I am sending you prophets and sages and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. Okay? He said, I'm going to send people that will speak the truth, and you're just going to abuse them. Now, how would you like to be some of his disciples going, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> but it did. It happened. It happened. Most of them died horrible deaths. And he says, and so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I tell you, all this will come to you on your generation. And he says, Jerusalem... Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and send those sent to you, how often have I prolonged to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to be desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That was tough. This man's supposed to come and teach the good news. But he's, you know, sometimes the truth hurts, doesn't it? On Wednesday, Judas was bribed. In fact, the way if you read the scripture here, Matthew 26, 14 through 16, it says, then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. He wasn't bribed to be betrayed. He, he made that effort to betray him. What will you give me? 
Now, Thursday is a very powerful day. We celebrate this one often. This is the Last Supper and the betrayal of Jesus and, and Peter denying Jesus. So on the Last Supper, I'll, I'll start with uh, verse 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Now keep in mind that, that is, this Wednesday is, is the beginning of Passover. Okay? It says, when evening came, Jesus was reclining the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and then when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. They had church. They had their shared meal. They had fellowship. And he taught. And he broke this bread, which we're going to do symbolically here in a, in a few minutes. And they sung hymns of praise. And it goes on immediately. He goes, then Jesus told them, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, of scripture i will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered but after i've risen i will go ahead of you into galilee okay peter replied even if all fall away on account of you i never will don't we say that sometimes like i know times are tough and, and people are gonna turn in but i won't god i won't i won't forget you but jesus said truly i tell you this very night before the rooster crows you will disown me three times but Peter declared, even if I die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. It's so easy to say when times aren't tough, right? But Jesus did what Jesus does, and, and he, he went off, took some quiet time for himself. He went off to the Garden of Gethsemane and went off to pray, and, and, he, and he told them, he had Peter with him and, um, and two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he, and he said, I'm troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Stay here and keep watch with me. Hang out with me. And, and he went a little farther and he went down and prayed. He said, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. It's a risky prayer. It's a risky prayer saying, I don't want this, but God, I'll do it. I'll take, the, take whatever has to happen for you. And in return, he found them sleeping and he woke them. He said, could you not stay awake for an hour? Watch and pray so that I don't fall into temptation. And he went away a second time. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He said, God, please. Father, I don't want to do this. But again, if that's what must happen, that's what must happen. He came back and they were sleeping again. And then he, he left a third time. And when he came back, he was speaking to them. He said, Guys, I asked you to do one thing. I asked you to stay awake. He said, look, the hours come. The Son of Man is delivered in the hands of others. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Down the path, it says, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent to the, by, from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the, is the man. Arrest him. And going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Judas kiss. Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. 
And the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. And he was taken that very night. And, and he was taken and accused with false evidence and, and charged with blasphemy. And the Sanhedrin, the, the religious leaders, the ones that, that he had spoke against, not really against, he was speaking for God. It just happened to be contrary to the way they were teaching and living their lives. And they turned on him and they said, this man is a blasphemer. That is, that is one of the worst things you can be. And, and they said, we need to crucify him. We need to stone him. We need to arrest him. And, and of course, you know the, the, the rest of the story. And we'll, we'll talk about that maybe a little later in the week for Easter message. But at the same time, Peter is watching from the distance just to see what happens. And a little servant girl came up and says, you're with Jesus of Galilee. And he says, not me. I don't know what you're talking about. That's one. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to people, this follows with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it again. I don't know the man. And after a while, those standing there went to Peter and said, surely you are the one of them. Your accent gives you away. They began to call down curses. He swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter then remembered the words of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. He didn't love Jesus any less, but he had certainly disowned him just like Jesus said he would. And Jesus didn't love him any less for it. And on Friday, Jesus is crucified. It says, meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. And when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. And Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. And he goes on to explain how it's a custom at that festival to release one prisoner chosen by the crowd. And, and there was Jesus, and then there was a well-known prisoner whose name was Barabbas. So the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked him, which one do you want me to release? Jesus or Barabbas, Jesus who you call the Messiah or Barabbas who, who was a criminal who had, and, and he knew it was out of self-interest that he handed Jesus over to him. He knew, Pontius said, this isn't right. He knew in his heart. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? And they answered, crucify him. And Pontius Pilate said, why? What crime has he committed? And they shouted louder, just crucify him. When Pilate saw he was getting nowhere, but that instead an apparel was rising, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. And all the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. And he released Barabbas to them. And he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Friends, you can't just wash away the blood of your sins, but Jesus can. Jesus can. And that's the story of the Passion Week. is shared from the book of Matthew. And I, I compressed it a little bit and I paraphrased just a little bit. So I'll, I want to encourage you to read that story this week. And, and I shared a message with you a few years ago. It's called, Who Am I in His Story? And we looked at some of the parables from the Bible and examined the various roles, especially some of the, the lesser-known characters, and asked ourselves, who do we identify with when we read the story? Who are we most like? How would we have responded if we were in that situation? 
So this week, I want to challenge you to walk this week with Jesus. Today, Palm Sunday, are you in the crowd cheering and welcoming Jesus? Are you? Aren't we doing that this morning? Hosanna, you know, Jesus' name above all names. We sang majesty, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Jesus is Lord of all. Hosanna. Are we laying down our branches and our cloaks, which are our personal belongings, in honor and obedience? Isn't that what we do when we give our time by being here? Isn't that what we do when we give money as an offering? We're laying down our possessions in honor of Jesus. Tomorrow, will you take an honest look at how you view God's temple, both the physical church and the temple that is your body? Will you consider whether both represent the true place of honor and respect that they deserve? Your body is a temple. Are you taking care of it? Are you honoring God with your body? You know, they had taken this temple and, and they made vendors. We're, we're, we're doing things there that were not what the intended purpose of the temple was. On Tuesday, will you destroy any hint of hypocrisy that may exist in the space between how you're living your life and how you know God wants you to live? Will you take an honest look and try to close that gap a little bit. On Wednesday, will you spend time in God's word? Wednesday is the beginning of Passover. Will you join us online at 7 as we study its history and value? Or will you at least commit to doing this on your own? On Thursday, will you take time to ponder Jesus' words at the Last Supper? Words that we will share here in a moment when we take communion. Will you step away from the world and meditate on God's plans for your life just as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane? Will you ask forgiveness for the times in your life when you denied knowing Christ, either in word or in action, or when you fell asleep instead of taking an action you knew you should have been taking? And on Friday, Good Friday, will you both mourn and celebrate Jesus, the loss of the teacher, but the gain of a Savior? as your sins were nailed to that cross. Friends, it is my deepest desire for all of us to consider the story of this week and to use it to strengthen our faith and guard our hearts so that we may continue to seek salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Unfortunate but true, there are many people that spend just two days a year thinking about Christ at Christmas and at Easter. And due to the current health crisis, the celebration of Easter will not be able to happen in the temples of our church. So insist that they happen in the temple of your heart. and Do that every day. You know what? We will celebrate Easter. We will have a sunrise service when we can have it. But that does not change what needs to happen in your heart next Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection. The reason that we have hope and a future and eternal life. Let's pray. Father God, this is Passion Week. Holy Week. A week that ends with a joyful celebration and anticipation of the triumphal entrance of Jesus Christ. But this, there's this imperfect segue where we go from this wonderful man that we love and respect to the man that the world scorns and abuses and betrays and lies about and kills. Lord, as we 
go through this week, let us be ever mindful each day of what Jesus went through and where are we at in his story. Are we his faithful disciple? But when times get tough and accusations come, are we the quick to deny him? Has he asked us to do something and we've fallen asleep? Lord, have we washed our hands and say, it's not my problem, it's not my fault. You call us to be faithful. But you know what? No matter what we have done, no matter what we do, no matter how we choose to handle this week, you said, I took all your sins. I took all your failures. I took them and I, I made them mine. And I took them to that cross with me. That's what you said. And when you rise anew, one week from today on Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, or the world knows as Easter, it's washed clean. A clean slate, a fresh start. It is finished over and over again. Continually finished in a way that provides us a new hope. So Lord, we thank you for that. Above all else, this week, we ask your forgiveness over our sins, which you had to carry to the cross. But we thank you for what you've done. Lord, as always, I want to thank you for this congregation, those who met here safely today, those who are unable to now. And Lord, as we transition to a little more unorthodox meeting for a couple weeks, Lord, we ask that you continue blessing and guidance over this church, this congregation, and those who gather and listen here today. Lord, I ask your blessing over all of us. Let us be renewed with the promise of Easter and the promise of spring. In your name I pray. Amen.